you've chosen to tune in. The DLC. Your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsor this week, Mailgun. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. The spell was two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who missed what is possibly the greatest weekend of professional football ever played, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. I wouldn't say I missed it. Um, I will Uh, say, though, I will say it is Girl Scout cookie season again. So if you don't have a local Girl Scout and you're looking for a troop or troops to support, my daughters are both selling uh, Girl Scout cookies to support their communities and there will be links to their cookie store pages on the show notes for this and in the subreddit and in the Discord. Support your local Girl Scout. And if you don't have one, uh, check support out my your daughters local online. Girl Scout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah cookie, I love, love a cookie. Love a cookie. But Christian, I don't want to just gloss over the fact that I am on a high right now. Four games, all of them, maybe the drama- most dramatic NFL the playoff games. I have ever seen my 49ers are going to the NFC championship game against the Rams. I am on cloud nine. I've been bopping around. Uh, I had a rough week, but boy, this weekend, uh, I know this is not a sports show and I know you're not a fan of football, but my goodness, my goodness. I just I, literally 10 minutes before we started recording uh, the chiefs and bills had what is, will go down as probably one of the most thrilling endings to a divisional playoff game ever. The 49ers with the most, I mean, all four games, all four games. It's just incredible, incredible. So anyway, I had to shout that out because I'm, you'll hear the electricity in my, under my skin right now. I just, I'm bopping around. It's craziness. No, that's, that's called long, long haul COVID is what that oh, is. Yeah, it's not. I think it's the opposite. I think COVID <laughs> gives you the, the opposite. Uh, yes, I did. I did. Uh, I did get uh, the athlete's foot this week. Uh, the the long national athletes foot that we're all trying to avoid. I got it. Um, my son brought I'm it home. Glad from you're school. better. Yeah, and I'm glad you. you're. I I I feel it like I texted great. you a few times, but then I got to see live updates on Twitter by like how exclamatory you were about football games, and I was like, he's he's feeling better. He's it, feeling better. Well, yeah, I mean, it's been a full week, right? So I had I had three days of being uh, in a in a real bad way. I do not wish it on anybody. Get vaccinated get boosted, uh, twice vaccinated and boosted. It's still got a breakthrough case and it still knocked me flat for three days. Um, very scary stuff going to, to my kids and my wife, all of us uh, positive. It, it clearly came from my son's school where there's been lots of positive cases. Um, we've been, tr- you know, really trying to be careful for two years here. Anyway, we don't need to dwell on that, but I do feel better and I appreciate everybody's kind words uh, on Twitter. But um yeah, it's it's nice to be and energized again. Nothing else happened this yeah. week, so it's going to be well, a low key. <laughs> yeah, speaking of yeah, electricity and, and excitement, man, we 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 did the thing that we do uh, on this show uh, DLC is that we stopped recording, and moments later, actually, it was a day and a half, but uh, it felt like moments later, uh, the entire video gaming world was turned uh, on its head, and we're going to get to that. We are going to get to that. But I was fun seeing all the tweets of people saying. It happened again, guys. Yeah, it happened again. And you know what's really great is we have with us tonight 
a great guest to talk about this with all of this big Microsoft Xbox happenings. We're going to get to it. But you know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, ooh, I'm excited because DLC stands for Dom Pierre live on Chatterdays. Because from Windows Central, we have the host of Xbox Chatterdays. Miles Dompierre is joining us for the first time. Hey, Miles. What is going on, guys? Appreciate the invite. Uh, like you mentioned, it has been uh, a week in video games, so I'm excited to dive into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're glad to have you. I'm so, so excited. Uh, so many people tweeting and messaging uh, saying that they, you know, we like, we like here on the show to let everything settle. <laughs> not be, you know, not be a uh, hot taking. Ours is a nice, cool room temperature take because we've had many days to let it just cool in the room. Uh, so let's well, get on. to it. Hold on real quick, though, real quick, just in case. Oh, my gosh. That's my reaction to whatever happens after this episode airs. I just want to mm, have it in the can. No. Like, what? No. no. Yeah. We we appreciate everybody uh, reaching out to us <laughs> and saying, guys. Thank you for recording the show so that the big news can happen right afterwards. It's it's our service that we do for the world. We, yes. we want everybody to have exciting news. And so we, you know, we record nice and early uh, Sunday <laughs> evening so that the Monday morning, Tuesday morning news can blow up. Okay. Well, let's get into it and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's also where you send comments or questions, your own reviews, if you'd like to hear those on the show, anything at all. We love hearing from you at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, you can also join our communities on the subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. And... Uh, 5x5DLC on Discord as well. Those are fun folks, great people. I urge you to take part in those communities. And normally, Miles, this is where I would say, hey, I'm so curious, what is your story of the week? It seems pretty obvious. In fact, uh, you know, I was going into this going, maybe we just only talk about one story because there's so much, so much to get into. But let's start. I mean, you are somebody that focuses on Xbox. Uh, we know if you if you are tuned into video games at all, even if you're not, this is like mainstream news. This is like your grandma calls and goes, I know you like video games. I heard about Microsoft buying Activision. Um, that's that level of news. Microsoft uh, acquiring or intending to acquire Activision Blizzard by purchasing uh, 70, excuse me, $68.7 billion in shares. Uh, this has to be approved by the government. Uh, we can talk about that as well. But Miles, I want to get your just sort of base reaction when you heard this. Uh, we'll get into all the nitty gritty. There's so much to cover because this is such a big, big deal. But obviously, you know, Microsoft is making big moves. Uh, Bethesda last year, Activision Blizzard this year. What is your what is your take? Yeah, so last year, Phil and Satya came out and they said, we are going all in on gaming. And 
you know, you can look at that and say, oh, that's a PR thing. They're, they're just, you know, they're, they're putting a, a face forward for their gaming division to show the people in the space that, you know, they're, they're serious about it. And then they come out uh, Tuesday bright and early and show the world that they are $69 billion serious about gaming, which is outrageous. It is the most expensive acquisition from Microsoft ever. Of all their divisions, of everything that they've bought in their history, that is the most money that they've spent. I, I woke up Tuesday morning to 20 DMs on Twitter, and my gut reaction was, oh no, what have I done? What did I say? What did I do? <laughs> I never get this many DMs at one time, and they're all just single words like, dude, no way. And I'm like, oh no. So I was, I was literally afraid to open some of these DMs, and then I opened up my Twitter feed, and yes, as you just see nothing but Xbox intending to spend nearly $70 billion to buy Activision Blizzard. King. I remember being uh, pretty stunned by the Bethesda news, and that was $7.5 billion. At yeah. that time, that was we, a figure of money I couldn't wrap my brain around. <laughs> and here they are a year and a half later, almost 10 times that amount. And it's, it, it, it's wild. It is, it is really, really wild. Yeah, I like that. Uh, two things on, on just on that point. I like that you, you, when you round up, you're rounding up the the value of most really successful companies is just the rounding up. It's almost 70 billion. It's like, yeah, that's like 2.3 billion rounding up. It's uh it's, it's an extraordinary amount of money. Uh, and also last week, you know, last week, one of our big stories was the purchase of Zynga for what was that Christian, like 12 billion, something like that. Uh, which yeah. at that point we were like, how do you even wrap your head around 12 billion? And it's like, it's chump change. That's like, Again, that's like the rounding error here, you know. Um, so it, it, it's an extraordinary amount of money. To put it in perspective, it's, you know, Activision Blizzard is pretty on par with what Disney paid for Fox. So if you think about the depth and breadth of the IP and back catalog and just amount, the volume of stuff that Disney acquired when they purchased Fox, that is what... Microsoft looks at Activision Blizzard and sees, you know, it is an equivalent amount of money. Um, obviously, we're talking Call of Duty, Warcraft, Starcraft, uh, uh, Tony Hawk, Diablo, yeah, Guitar Hawk. Hero, Crash Bandicoot, which is, you know, was ostensibly a uh, PlayStation mascot for years. Um, it, the list goes on and on and on. Spyro. Um, there are, uh, there's so much deep IP that, that, that happens here. Um, Miles, I'm curious what you, if you think, you know, as somebody, as a, as a industry observer, as, as an enthusiast, do you think this is a smart move for Microsoft? There's been a, a ton of speculation in the, the Xbox camp. Basically, following the, the Bethesda deal, that opened the floodgates for essentially anything being possible. Xbox is willing <laughs> to throw money around in huge quantities. So a lot of people were speculating WB, Square Enix, a lot of these other comparatively small publishers. When you look at the value of a, a Square, Capcom, even those are those are sub $10 billion. Um, So... I personally didn't expect Microsoft to spend this much on, on a publisher of this size. Um, but I think a lot of it kind of compounded with Activision Blizzard's kind of last few years, their declining stock prices. And it was just kind of this perfect storm of, you know, Activision was looking to sell. 
is is something I don't think a lot of people understand is Activision was yeah. looking at the future, looking at the sustainability of their business and saying, we are looking for someone to buy us because we understand what, what the next few years are going to look like. And Xbox, Phil Spencer and that team, they are looking to diversify family offerings and they are looking to divide diversify their uh, mobile offering and you have king in there and then like you said crash bandicoot spyro uh toys for bob in particular a phenomenal developer uh crash bandicoot 4 such an underrated game uh absolutely loved it so by buying that they are filling all of those gaps and they are also getting call of duty which a lot of us in the space in the hardcore space if you will talk about Call of Duty being overrated, Call of Duty being mediocre, being burnt out of a Call of Duty every year. Um Call of Duty Vanguard, a lot of criticism surrounding its launch. It was still the number one most profitable game of of last year. Made the yeah. most money of any game and it always does. So that alone adds a lot of value to this acquisition, I think. Yeah, some of the uh, some of the studios uh, that are packaged in with this deal: uh, Activision Publishing, Blizzard, of course, uh, Digital Legends, High Moon Studios, Infinity Ward, King, Major League Gaming, Radical Entertainment, Raven Software, Sledgehammer Game, Toys for Bob, Treyarch. I mean, this is this is a massive thing, Christian. You know, in our in our annual predictions episode you made a bold prediction not even, it wasn't even cool ranch it was a bold prediction microsoft <laughs> was going to buy somebody else i don't think even you predicted it would be at this magnitude of a purchase i don't think you floated activision blizzard out there at any point oh okay one i have a lot to say about this but two uh christian was right and it clearly really pisses jeff off is what you're trying to say and while I don't think I also made a, a a Cool Ranch prediction that Bobby would be bye bye, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think Bobby is going to stay around until until and if this deal closes uh, next year. But he's definitely going bye bye. One update for me: uh, I am still not going to talk about any of their games on this show until Bobby does go bye bye. Um, so that's not going to change for me anytime soon for our listeners. Um, but to unpack a lot of this and kind of how I'm looking at it. This, I don't know if Activision was looking to sell. I think this was an epic failure by Bobby from the top. And I think it'll be spun differently later as he tries to rewrite his narrative. Uh, I've personally seen um, some wannabe guru CEOs do things like this and try to spin it later for how this was a big success story. But ultimately the buck stopped with him. Um, before I dive into all that, I do need to say up front, yes, he's going to make out like a bandit uh, in terms of money. That only way that that wasn't going to happen or isn't going to happen is if there are criminal charges and a conviction brought against him. I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, executive CEO salaries are almost always positioned in a way that you can kill everybody and you still make hundreds of millions. Bobby is going to make out with a bunch of money from this, and that's unfortunate. But this is a total. But before you get too far down the road, though, I, I, there has been some. Uh, it seems to me pretty credible reporting that uh, Activision Blizzard was looking to sell even before the, uh, even before the the sort of uh, you know California state case was brought against them. Uh, that may have accentuated things. It may have brought the stock price down a little bit. But that there has been a lot of uh, pretty credible reporting that that. The, they initiated the deal like they they went to microsoft and they they went to uh, lots of places looking to sell um 
so just I, I think that's sort of been out there. Uh, before you, you know, say, well, that's not the case. I, I don't know yeah, how I don't much we be, know or not know about how specifically that's true. I, I could be wrong. I don't want to be Rogan on here and pretending that I, I don't. That's not what I saw. That's not what I saw. The timeline that I saw was different. I did see that they also did talk to other companies, but my understanding of it is that they were quick discussions that happened, and were there discussions prior to that? There always are, but my understanding is that there was nothing credible that was being shopped around. I could be wrong. Um, and I'm happy to be wrong in that point. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and be like, no, no, no. Trust me, the four websites I read, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I, I would just back up and say, in my opinion, when you are a company with a market cap this big, it's hard to sell. You're, you're not a company that's out wooing suitors. You're not a startup. You're not in the VC stage where you're looking to, to sell or go public, like they were public and they were huge and had a market cap that was 30% bigger before these allegations hit. And so I think some of the failings that fall onto Bobby for this are one, what Activision and Blizzard became uh, in the last, what, 10 years under him where, and he's been there for what, 31, something like that, 30 something years. Um, Stagnation of IP, uh, grinding franchises into the ground without doing anything new or fresh to them, butchering things like uh, even re-releases of old games, which are usually quick dips to the well. They weren't able to get positive buzz around re-releases like Warcraft 3, Diablo 2 launched broken, a lot of WoW expansions launched broken, Overwatch League it's hard to look at that as anything else but a failure. The continuation of Overwatch as an esport and as a game that has continuous content, it's hard to look at that as anything else but for what its aspirations were. But as a failure, Diablo 4's continued delays, Overwatch 2 going back to the drawing board in many ways, it seems like. Call of Duty, well, those, while still... Those two games in particular, uh, you know, a lot of folks are, are pointing to as being one of the big motivating factors for the, the sale in, in that uh, there's... Activision was looking at the bottom line and going, we're not going to make money year over year. We're not going to do the thing that Wall Street needs us to do, which is to be more profitable this year than we were last year. The delays uh, and question marks of those two particular games um, is part of the reason that Activision was looking to sell at all. Uh, it's it's it should not be under uh, undersold as you're mentioning. How much these big delays, while um, you know, sometimes we applaud uh, because we want the games to be finished when they're done. And sometimes we, uh, uh, you know, complain about because we want to play the games. They have such big ramifications, you know, on, on a company-wide scale of what these companies are valued at and how they're, you know, how they're talked about on Wall Street and, and what happens to the future of these companies. I mean, the idea that because a couple of uh, Blizzard games aren't coming out this year and don't have a year to point to when they will come out that all of a sudden this company has to be sold is, is a pretty gobsmacking, I think, and, turn of events. And you look to, uh, I'm going to ask a rhetorical question to our audience, but in the past decade, other Activision games that have moved the needle, you know, there's call of duty, but even Activision was talking about, you know, framing itself as the call of duty company in many ways mm-hmm. and using that as their branding. And I think that too is a failure of long-term leadership, not of any of the individual devs. Like if Bobby's going to sit on top this throne, that is ultimately on him. And so what happens then later is 
the stock price on July 20th or July 21st, 2021, before the allegations go wide, is 91.51. The allegations go wide on July 22nd, uh, 2021. Their stock price uh, bottoms, starts to recover a little bit. On 1-13-2022, their stock price was $64.17. That's a 30% just loss, just gone, just billions gone. And Microsoft comes in and announces the deal on January 18th, 2022. And my understanding is that this deal came together very quickly, which- well. Again, and they and they paid ninety five dollars per share, just to be correct. Clear. So, but yeah. even but so even overpaying, you know, or, or paying on top of what that um, that price was, it's back to kind of where it sat pre allegation. But they were able to do that and and offer up something that the board finds acceptable and create this exit strategy for Bobby and a failed leadership team that had nowhere to go, and Microsoft was able to instantly by all accounts of a deal this big swoop in and, and make this deal happen, which I think is a testament again to Bobby's failed leadership and two, a reminder of how big of a company Microsoft is. Sony, I mean, Miles mentioned this is their biggest acquisition ever, which I don't want to lose sight of, but Sony is an electronics company. Microsoft is a everything company and they have the lawyers and the M and a people and everybody ready to go to be able to pull off a deal like this. There are very few companies that can do this. And to have Microsoft be there, I don't know if they have like a big board of like, you know, the companies we want, and they just wait for like the market value to hit a certain number, and then they go. But to be able to put together a package like this, get it done, announce it, and get it out there in the time that Microsoft did is staggering. And that has nothing to say about, what it means for Microsoft going forward. But I think it's hard to look at this and say, this is a company that was in good hands going forward with a plan for what they were going to do until Microsoft jumped in. Well, it sounds like you are viewing this as very, in, in a very negative light. Do you think this no, is a- No, 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 no. I, I think, I think it's failed leadership from Activision standpoint to get them to this point. I don't think anyone's goal is like, we want to lose 30% of our market value and be bought by another large company because we don't think we're going to make our income goals for our revenue goals for next year. I think in terms, I think it's an incredible story for what Microsoft did in terms of for gamers in the short term, it's exciting as a game pass enthusiast in the long term, assuming the deal closes, I think it has some serious ramifications for consolidation. Um, but it's, also, I still feel like the kid in Exorcist. You know, my head is still spinning and it's already been a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's, I mean, let's pivot a bit to that because I, you know, I, I think it's, it's hard for us to be able to speculate on the, the motivations uh, of these uh, massive companies. Um, there's been a lot of really interesting reporting about that. I think we'll probably get more information uh, as, uh, you know, as the weeks progress on how that goes. Uh, you know, Miles... Our friend and and fellow uh, Coloradan, uh, Coloradan, Coloradoan. I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, yeah we're both relatively new. But uh, for our friend in front of the show, Jeff Grubb, uh, was talking about how he he you know he got tipped off that that uh, Phil Spencer and and was was having a meeting on Christmas Eve uh, about yeah. this. There was some big things percolating. Like the, this was something that really came together you know over the holiday. Um, but let's let's pivot away from you know the sort of uh, businessiness of it all, the Wall Streetness of it all, and 
and pivot to sort of what it means for gamers and uh, you know Microsoft as a platform going forward. We've seen a lot of discussion in the last couple of days. Uh, you know, panicked fan bases worried <laughs> that their Call of Duties weren't going to be on PlayStation anymore, and I think that's justifiable. Obviously, I mean, Call of Duty was the number one selling franchise on PlayStation, right? That's the that's PlayStation is the home to a lot of those players. Uh, we saw, you know, Phil come out and and say we want to keep keep it on, uh, keep wow. Call of Duty on it's PlayStation. Our platforms. desire, our, our desire, desire. Which is great, kind of what, a great tweet, a great yes, tweet. it is a great tweet. Well, eighteen let me, people let me, looked at that tweet. Eighteen people read through that tweet and said, <laughs> "No, Phil, change that, change that, change that," and they landed on it's our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Well, here, here's the actual quote. Uh, this is. Uh, uh, Phil Spencer's tweet, quote, uh, had good calls this week with leaders at Sony. I confirmed our intent to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Sony is an important part of our industry and we value our relationship. Michael Jordan had good conversation with Isaiah Thomas regarding Dream Team, our desire to put the best team on the court. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we've seen a bit of this blueprint play out with Bethesda already in this in the sense that, you know, Deathloop had a pre-existing contract as an exclusive or timed exclusive on PlayStation that has been honored. Um, and, you know, and then you sort of see that that messaging happening right at the Bethesda uh, acquisition was, hey, you know, we're going to honor these, honor these things. And then little by little, it's like. Yeah, you're not getting the next Elder Scrolls. Um, so I, I'm curious, Miles, what your take on that tweet is. What you think? Do you think Call of Duty is a different case? It may very well be because it's their Minecraft know. or something, right? Like yeah. Microsoft has played nicely, right? Yeah. Before. It's it's really interesting. And again, there was there was a lot of controversy surrounding Phil Spencer saying some quote Bethesda games will be exclusive. <laughs> and a bunch of people on the Xbox side were mad that he couldn't come out and say that all Bethesda games will be exclusive. And again, there was probably so many conversations around the word some. And because he knew they were going to honor all the contracts and there's speculation or or long-running rumors that PlayStation has a, a long-running marketing deal with the Call of Duty franchise, meaning that they're going to have exclusive content. So there might be this crossover period where Xbox owns Activision, but there's PlayStation exclusive Call of Duty content. Uh, so there's going to be some weird overlap with stuff like that. So I interpret it a few different ways. They could go the Minecraft route. They could say that Call of Duty is a huge platform. Um, Call of Duty makes up a huge amount of money. We're just going to keep that multi, multi-plat across the board there. I think Call of Duty as we know it will be dead when this acquisition closes in a sense that we will not have Call of Duty every year. There will be no no more annual Call of Duty. That'll be retired because Microsoft is shifting its games to these ongoing kind of platforms. Halo Infinite, Sea of Thieves, even stuff like State of Decay 2, they're ongoing games and they understand that they don't have to put out a sequel every single year to put out new content to keep keep money coming in and keep keep players. So I'm I'm torn. I'm really torn because it could be this weird scenario where it is fully multi-platform, stays multi-platform. It also could be a scenario where they say, okay, Warzone, Warzone is already out. We're going to keep Warzone running. That's going to be your multi-platform Call of Duty. If you want to keep playing Call of Duty on PlayStation, Warzone will be there and that will keep evolving. Everything else, all the other campaigns, the Call of Duty zombies, all those modes, 
Xbox PC exclusive. Or Phil Spencer could be flexing some some big muscle and say, um, we want Game Pass on PlayStation 5. Um, because they have talked about, you know, with, with Bethesda, um, their games moving forward will be available on all platforms where Game Pass exists, not all Xbox platforms. So they could be you know, doing this long con to say we, you know, you're, you might lose money by putting Game Pass on PlayStation, but you're going to lose money from Call of Duty. So balls in your court. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out. It's it's definitely not cut and dry. And there's a, a bunch of different ways this can go. So I'm going to say it's Warzone is going to be guaranteed to stay multi-plat and everything else is is up in the air right now, I think. Yeah, certainly from my perspective, the most exciting way this could go is that Game Pass really does get to become the Netflix of video games in that you can play Netflix on anything, right? Uh, And that would be, I think, an extraordinary result of something like this, that that the, uh, the need for these other platform holders to have these big, what used to be third-party games, uh, leverages Microsoft into getting Game Pass on their systems. And I think that would be a huge win for gamers. I think that would be a massive, if you could buy whatever whatever piece of hardware you happen to like and also get Game Pass games on them, I think would be, uh, I think that would be a win for gamers. It's a really interesting thing when you look at the last several years of this industry, because it wasn't that long ago, five years, maybe, I don't know, Christian, you and I always have this joke that everything feels like five years ago, probably longer, but it it doesn't too. So make it seven. Yeah. It doesn't feel like that long ago (laughs) when we were all, you know, sitting around in the games press talking about how everything was multi-platform. Like there were these very few differentiators between the platform holders but when someone says, what, what should I get, you know, a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One, uh, you go, well, there's like two or three games that matter in that decision. Most of the stuff is going to be available on both. Most of the biggest games that come out are going to be available on both. It was the multi-platformification of the entire industry. Everything was third party, all the big stuff. You know, incomparable, and, not like SNES Genesis, right. where it was like, well, you, this one has sweat, this one has blood. It was like, <laughs> this one gets five frames better per yeah. second. So you might, it was like they were it's good on both. The same. Yeah. And, and that's where the industry was, you know, just a generation ago. And here we have now, I think, the pendulum swinging the completely opposite direction, where it feels like all this consolidation is getting us to a point where it may very well be these very siloed places where the there are tons of differentiations uh you know it's it is just the platform holders funding all these big developers or owning all these big developers as they gobble up and acquire and acquire and acquire the saving grace there if if there needs to be a saving grace is the potential of something like a game pass where if that can live on multiple systems if sony uh, you know sees the value in that and allows that to exist I think that could be a real, a real paradigm shift for the entire industry, and and how how that works going forward is going to be fascinating to watch. Um, Christian, what do you think about the future of Call of Duty? Do you, do you see it as Miles sees it? Where um, you know, there's already talk. There was a news story even before the acquisition where some high level folks at I think Treyarch or Infinity Ward, one of the two, 
we're talking about how, you know, there's been some, some talk about slowing the pace of new Call of Duty releases. Um, so that was sort of already percolating before this acquisition. Do you see it like Miles sees it? Or, or what do you see as the future for Call of Duty? Well, first, I see another Christian prediction is going to get bumped to 2023 because Game Pass definitely getting more expensive here in a little <laughs> bit. You know, they got to they gotta pay for this somehow. It might not happen until this deal closes. I, I think Miles brings up a really good and interesting point. I could see Warzone or whatever they end up wanting to call the long-term ongoing Battle Royale free-to-play game being everywhere, being the Minecraft. And I could see it being fleshed out even a little bit more um, where it becomes their Fortnite, right? Microsoft now owns a legit Fortnite competitor. And based on its mobile numbers, a Fortnite revenue dominator. Call of Duty is still on mobile. It is It does gangbusters on mobile. And to have that continue without you know getting into fights with apple and google play (laughs) you know remaining this cash cow i could see that staying everywhere um i think miles makes an interesting point where like yeah what if it's not even you know it's it's just a a call of duty universe experience only on game pass and it's this really cool bespoke what used to be called the single player campaign but play this epic eight-hour narrative as ghost only on Game Pass, and by playing it, unlock this awesome ghost skin for Warzone or something like that. But Warzone stays everywhere, but they find ways to utilize this brand in some exclusive fashion going forward. I think that's a smart take, and I, I'm curious how long it will take. Um, uh, I, I, as Miles mentioned, I do think there are probably some long-term contracts still in play, but we're going to start seeing this you know, pointing toward Game Pass, Jeff, as you mentioned, as soon as possible, right? Like, it yeah, has you gotta, to. you gotta. I mean, that's that's why it costs nearly seventy billion dollars, right? Is it's well, and it King. is it, yeah, well, and King, yeah. I mean, there, there. I mean, obviously, Blizzard has very power, um, um, valuable IP as well. But uh, you kind of indicated this, Christian, as as you know, you were talking about Kodak um, is. This has become, you know, at least the Activision side has become the Call of Duty company in a large sense. And the it, it seemed that the intention was to be very narrowly focused on what is extremely profitable. Uh, Activision under Kodak's reign, I guess, uh, of late, you 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 saw you know these things get squeezed that you just maximize uh, profit on a thing and you know, a lot of gamers perspective is, you know, you squeeze it until it dies, right? It's, it's uh, what happened with the Tony Hawk franchise. It's what happened with Guitar Hero franchise. Uh, It's kind of what's been happening with Call of Duty is just like, keep making more of that, you know, drink from the fire hose of this one very specific IP uh, and make as much money as possible. And then, you know, find the next one and, and kind of cut the fat. Don't do anything else. Just focus super narrowly on that. And part of what I'm most excited about from this, and you can even see it with some of these initial comments from Phil Spencer, is it feels like while Kotick is, you know, going to remain the CEO of Activision Blizzard for now, it does feel like the the ruling class over at Microsoft, the uh, the you know the CEOs, the executives over at Microsoft are going to be 
calling the shots for what how these IP are going to be managed. And I'm very encouraged that that practice will will cease to be, that Microsoft will see the value in a lot of the IP. I mean, you saw Phil Spencer already uh, coming out and talking about, he's like, oh yeah, I was looking at the back catalog and well, the things that Activision owns, he's like, Hexen? Oh my God. Like he's 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 kind of geeking out like we would about like all these new toys and he can, you know, put Microsoft Studios on these IPs and, and you know, or reinvent. Activision Studios that have all been yeah. chained to Call of Duty. You Just, know, like even uh, Toys for Bob, I think, was put to a Call of Duty support studio recently. And it's like, right. let's unleash them again. Uh, yeah. It's like Phil he Spencer said, bought a, a storage, like was on Storage Wars and was like, yeah. oh my gosh, look yeah. what I got in here. For only 70 billion, <laughs> I got this store, all this stuff. Yeah, There's um, a 67 SS in the back. I had no idea. Wow. His, his quote was, <laughs> Was, uh, I was looking at the IP list. I mean, let's go. King's Quest, Guitar Hero. I should know this, but I think that got Hexen. I mean, that's the kind of thing that gets me juiced and, and jazzed as a uh, as a fan, as a as a enthusiast, as a person who loves this hobby. Is is you? It, it doesn't feel like the decisions are going to be about maximizing Activision. Uh, share prices you know it doesn't it's going to be like not squeezing as much as we can from one or two or three ip that it feels like oh my gosh now we have this this company that really does have both the resources and desire to have a much bigger portfolio of of titles and developers working on those titles um so you know that to me is i think the the coolest part of, of this um Miles, do you see do you see this deal as as a as an Xbox gamer and person who focuses on Xbox? Do you see this as a positive uh, overall, or do you do you see a big downside to this to this uh, consolidation? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely some some broader conversations to be had regarding consolidation. It's if you're the competition, it's scary to see the amount of money that Microsoft has. Because as Christian touched on, almost no one else in the space can just throw that amount of money around to buy something like that. And that's that's scary. And when when you start having more and more, you get to you theoretically, you can start controlling how you disperse that, what you do with that and, you know, raise prices, etc. I think where I'm at right now is I do see this as a positive based on the current state of Activision Blizzard King and everything that they've been doing, putting all of these teams on Call of Duty. And it's just this Call of Duty cog. Uh, Vicarious Visions delivered an incredible, uh, the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, uh, the Crash Bandicoot remakes. Incredible, incredible. Some of the best remakes of all time. Uh, Immediately after that, they're dissolved and they're put as a support studio. So in this particular case, I, uh, again, not not to drink the Xbox Game Pass Kool-Aid, but I think what Xbox is building right now, what makes me excited as someone who just plays as many games as possible is that Xbox is building a sustainable business model designed to experiment. They don't have to worry about $60 purchases anymore. That doesn't have to be the vessel for these weird, a King's Quest. You couldn't put out a $60 King's Quest anymore. Like that, that doesn't work. But through through something like Xbox Game Pass, they can take these risks, they can revisit all these IP, and they don't have to worry about it selling two to 10 million copies to be, um, you know, break even anymore. So 
For me, I think that is the most exciting. The possibility of these these new IP coming back and the possibility of these employees um, hopefully having a, a much better work experience because you know, I'm going to hold Microsoft accountable. If you're, if you're someone who can throw around $70 billion, yeah. I think more than a lot of people, you have an obligation to make sure you're improving the lives of these employees. And I have faith in the current leadership team. Obviously, Microsoft's track record has not been perfect in that sense. But I think ultimately, this has huge potential to be a, a net positive for, for the developers and for, I guess, the industry as a whole, ignoring the, the consolidation concerns, obviously. But somewhere I got to imagine there's a room with Eve Guimau sitting around going, um, has, has Phil Spencer called anybody? Anybody? No? Okay, I'm just going to keep looking at this, this telephone. Is he called? You sure? He didn't call? Okay. <laughs> Jeff, here's a, here's a question for you. Uh, do you think this closes? Do you think yes. Justice and everybody signs off? And- yeah, no yeah. problem. I don't think, I don't think this, the Justice bats an eye at this. I mean, it's consolidation, but it's not monopoly. Um, yeah, define you know. the market, right? Like, what is the market? If the market is video game publishers or developers, yeah, there's, there's thousands of video game publishers. It's not, there's not squeezing anybody out. It's consolidation. It's a lot of really big names uh, that uh-huh. we all think are really, really big names. But in the grand scheme of things, it's, you know, the, the, you can buy thousands and thousands of video games right now that aren't published by Microsoft or Activision Blizzard. So that doesn't change because of this. And that's all the government really cares about, right? Yeah, I think after this, they're still in third. Like, even if this closes, they they still are in third place. So there's, yeah, I don't think there's going to be any problems. You know, maybe the 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 ongoing lawsuit could complicate things. I don't know how that's going to factor in because that's obviously still in play. But in terms of uh, the monopoly, the uh, antitrust, I don't think that's going to be a huge hurdle for this yeah i don't think uh i don't think it happens very soon i think probably it (laughs) takes a year you know but uh but i i think it will happen what about you christian you're the you're the lawyer the current lawyer whose words carry with it yes all the active definitely Uh not inactive bar uh, status Um, I think, I think this closes. I I do. I think there will be some talking, uh, you know, some breath given to challenges from it that will make some mainstream news and this, that, and the other. But I agree. I think you define the market how you want to define it. And I think either way you cut it here. Um, there are a lot of other developers. There are a lot of other publishers. There's a lot of other market cap in games. I mean, Roblox is, you know, I think it's market cap is more than Nintendo and it's not part of this at all. And what even is it right? Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know how you make an argument compelling enough to, to block this, but it, I mean, it's it <laughs> last week I was again, like I thought 12 bill was unbelievable where it's like, that's four marvels. Like this is, I mean, <laughs> rare. It must just be like, Hey guys, Remember when you bought us for a, a dollar? Yeah. We were a value meal. And Rare's killing it, you know? Sea of Thieves, as Miles mentioned, is like kind of that, um, not data point, but uh, flag planted of like, we can do these games on Game Pass, and they're huge um, because of, of how people can dip in and experience them. And they were able to do the Pirates of the Caribbean, which is such an awesome expansion to Sea of Thieves. I think, again, because of the Game Pass model, um, 
you know, we were talking after Bethesda, like, and obviously as I predicted uh, at our bold and cool ranch that like, Oh, Microsoft's not done. I mean, now I feel like what's next. What's well, next? Mega Godzilla? It, like, where do you Was go? it Totillo <laughs> that, uh, that tweeted out the list of other publishers that are available uh, or that, you know, and their market value, like all of them. And they're all in their best evening wear. And no, doing yeah, their that's talent. what I'm saying. That's like Eve Gimo is <laughs> yeah. in the room somewhere, like sticking his leg out the door, like, hello. <laughs> Um, but, uh, there's not that many, there's really not that many. And there's none of them are remotely at the, in the, you know, 60 plus billion range. So I mean, it uh, makes miles. I w- I'd love to get your take on this because Microsoft, they did their, I, I really liked it. Uh, 20 year retrospective, like event, like these are all the games you played on Xbox and like that kind of look back. And for part of that, they shared the heavily redacted, letter where they tried to buy nintendo and everybody was like oh remember when microsoft <laughs> tried to buy nintendo i mean does this change that for you at all it's like oh i think they really tried to buy nintendo <laughs> that's i was making a joke about this the other day because yeah obviously that's a very funny famous story where they were starting up and they're like yeah nintendo's our neighbor let's walk next door say hey we're, we're starting a gaming thing can we buy you and they're like no you cannot buy us and to put it in perspective the activision deal is the, worth more than Nintendo currently in terms of their 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 net value. So now this Xbox get a flex and say, "Hey Nintendo, what's up? How, how's this offer looking now? All right, we got some more money to throw around. How do you We're like not the Yeah, <laughs> but I still think Nintendo is going to keep doing its own thing, and I I think that Phil Spencer really respects Nintendo. He's constantly talking about them as an influence in the industry. So I don't even know that he would approach them. At, with him currently being the leader, yeah. maybe down the road, but I don't think that's a, a conversation currently happening as Jeff, wild as that would be. The last thing I have for you, and I will tell our listeners this, but I have a, I'm hiring someone to break into Phil Spencer's house to put my name on his shelf. So, cause you, you get on <laughs> Phil's shelf, good stuff. Happens. Good stuff happens. Get on the shelf, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, Xbox Game Pass continues to be the most, I think, uh, paradigm-shifting, awesome, really encouraging thing in the video games industry from my perspective. Um, There are definitely problematic parts about consolidation. It is not good to have very few people in charge of so very many big things. But as Miles said, and I, I would totally agree uh, and as Krishna pointed out, uh, under Kotick, the Activision Blizzard ship wasn't exactly being sailed in a very encouraging way anyway. So I feel like this this change of direction for the ship is a positive one. It can't help but be a positive one. Uh, so that feels good. And the notion that so many incredible developers and IP are going to be funneled into a service that I'm already paying for. It just seems really good, really, really cool and exciting. Uh, Now, uh, another thing that a lot of folks have been pointing out in the last few days is that, you know, a lot of people are predicting uh, that there will be, you will see a massive amount of people uh, leaving these, these developers starting their own studios hoping to be gobbled up in this sort of acquisition frenzy. Um, you already saw a, a ton of former Blizzard employees start their own startups, their own studios. Um, and 
you know, if they're if if Sony and Microsoft in particular are out there spending gobs of cash trying to just get great talent, it certainly is a seller's market. Um, so you could see that happening too. That may not very may not end up being a particularly great thing for these uh, known entities. But I really have a hard time looking at this and finding a huge downside. Maybe there will be one that presents itself over the next several years and we'll see Microsoft gets bloated and, and too big, you know, for its own good and, and, and unable to manage all of these internal studios in a effective way. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited sitting here right now thinking about what this means for a, my game pass subscription. Hopefully it doesn't go up in price as Christian predicted and B, uh, you know, the sort of, um, innovation and, uh, spark of hopefully, uh, of, uh, you know, of invention that happens with, with all of these known quantities. Like it, it's not, hopefully won't just be the call of duty studio and that won't just be the, you know, the two or three IP that they're focusing on at any given time. I think that's a real possibility. All right. Yeah. It, it's huge. It's, it's, huge. it's hard to, it's hard to understate or overstate, sorry, how huge, how huge this is. It is yeah. huge. Yeah. And that is why uh, we spent the entire story of the week segment on that. I mean, I know Christian, you had a couple of other stories. There are some big things. I mean, we, we well, the see other, the first union of all time. Uh, that's the other thing form. that I think is interesting is that Activision, you know, Blizzard King had been kind of uh, looking to unionize employees there and um, QA um folks at ravensoft formed the voluntarily formed the first union and they're looking for voluntary recognition from activision and so that stuff doesn't seem to be slowing down and uh, you know i'm curious as kind of miles mentioned microsoft they're a very big company and they've have done some not nice things with employees and to employees in the past but i'm curious how current microsoft and now this games division that phil is on top of and kind of that reorg and I guess promotion for him um, how they handle this type of stuff and, and what that means uh, for this. And I think that unionization and Activision's current response is like, yeah, no dog um, is what they say, but they say it a lot longer than that. It's like, uh, you want us to voluntarily recognize new, um, but I'm encouraged that the employees are still out there fighting for that. And I'm curious to see what layer that adds. Yeah, it's one of those things where there's been a huge push in in the gaming industry as a whole for unionization in a lot of different fields. And obviously, a lot of these big publishers don't don't want that because they want the option to be able to just lay off all people like the QA team at Raven famous example of a bunch of people just being laid off immediately. No warn people moved to other states. And they're like, hey, sorry. Uh, we don't need you anymore. And, and stuff like that is it's it's horrible to hear. And I know there's been some recent developments regarding that. Like uh, I know that the team that started the union has maybe not now kind of backpedaled since this acquisition news. I haven't read too much into it, but I know there have been some big developments regarding the, the Raven team and, and the unionization there. Um, I would hope that current Microsoft isn't, you know, st- trying to squash any, any union conversations or talks. They've been very vocal in, from a PR standpoint about, you know, em, employee lives and, you know, inclusion and making sure that the workplace for all their employees it, is great. And I think unionization is 
is an important part of that. And I would love to see some sort of protections for these people who go into this industry with good intentions. And every time I hear a story of someone who, you know, imagine being an up and coming developer, getting to work on Call of Duty, being getting that phone call and saying that you're going to be working on Call of Duty and then getting into that and just being completely abused, having a horrible experience, an experience so terrible that it just shades your entire outlook on the video game industry. You you see stories like that all the time. And without unions, that, that can happen and there's no, no repercussions for that. So again, I hope that Microsoft isn't pushing back against that. And I don't really know what Microsoft's current policy on unions is I know I don't think any anyone within Microsoft is part of a union correct me if I'm wrong so I don't I don't really know what that looks like to be honest yeah it'll be interesting to see how it plays out we, we've been uh, watching the the uh, formation or the, the the movement toward formation of unions inside the game industry over the last several years uh, with a lot of interest on this show uh, Christian and I are both very much in favor of unions so um, I'm hoping this this is a boon for those. These are QA testers at Raven Software who have voted uh, to unionize. So I'm hoping this is a you know a, a first domino uh, that uh, spreads in, into the the wider uh, industry. We shall see. Um, before we move on, I know we moved away from the acquisition uh, story, but I, I forgot that I did want to ask both of you to maybe try, well, it's not an official prediction episode, but maybe try to predict what might be the most unexpected result of a Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Is there, I mean, do you see something like a, a World of Warcraft uh, subscription folded into Game Pass? Is there like a uh, a, a weird... E3, you know, prolonged five-hour Microsoft presentation. Like, what? It, what is your strangest uh, ramification uh, off the top of your head, Miles? What do you think? Um, I'll, I'll tell you what I want to see. And, and after all this is said and done, and we have all these Activision IP under the Xbox banner, I want to see Crash Bandicoot's Pro Skater. I want to see this big mascot party game that takes Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, Master Chief, all of the Xbox team, all of the Activision team, and it turns uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater into a Mario Party mascot game. That's what I want to see. That's my dream scenario when all of this is said and done, is that they come together and they create the Xbox uh, cinematic universe, if you will, and they start crossing over all of these ridiculous IP. Yeah, uh, that's, that, the, that's my dream. The cinematic where Cortana stands up and she goes, Chief, Chief, I, I'm hearing a distress call, a, a call of duty. And then you have Tony Hawk like getting sick air right over the top of grinding on a pelican all day <laughs> uh, yes let's do it. i mean mine's not fun this is this is you know uh nacho cheesier level prediction we're going here like not a prediction this is straight you know just the just the seasoning of cool range i'm just drinking out of the bottom of the bag um but it's similar to miles i think Overwatch 2, as we know it, the timing here is what makes this not a true uh, Cool Ranch prediction. But Overwatch 2 goes bye bye 
and gets totally revamped into something very different. I think it might still be called Overwatch 2, but I could see um, Dom or Marcus or Chief being characters, mm-hmm. I think still probably led by a lot of Overwatch characters. I mean, Oof. But I think like that would that would sour the fan base hard on Overwatch, but I mean, I as opposed know. to what, just letting it die on the vine for another four more years? Like what they haven't done. I, I think know. I think that type of hero shooter is ripe for Microsoft to um IPFI now with everything that they own. I don't know. I don't know how that would go over, honestly. Because Jeff is not, not loving it. No, yeah. I love Jeff. Jeff, you're you're poo pooing Miles and I's like most ridiculous. Oh, that's true. That's true. I predictions. For, I asked like, for ridiculousness, and I and I got it, and now I'm uh, I'm uh, unsatisfied. I I apologize. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> what's I, yours? What's what's yours? I want to poo poo it. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, I had a good one. Um, uh, oh, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens to something like Battle.net, the Battle.net launcher, you know, like does Microsoft that becomes Xbox Game Pass or whatever. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, it's in my opinion, greater than the Xbox app. Uh, so I wonder if they fold those together. They unify them in some way. There's a, a sharing of tech or or a, a, a revamp of the Xbox app in some way. That, I don't know. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if that happens because I think um, I think the you know the battle net you know uh, structure the uh, the UI layer the 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 way it works so much better than the Xbox app at this moment. Um, so I don't know. I think there's an opportunity there. We'll see. Lots to happen. I mean, again, this isn't going to play out over years, not months. And I think. Uh, I think it's going to be an exciting if they do a if they do a June, you know, we're hearing no E3 at all, but if if we do a June Microsoft big event, I mean, how cool is it going to be to have, you know, Bethesda, Activision, Microsoft Studios, like it's going to be like the Avengers assembling on stage. It's going to be kind of neat, I think. Do you I I bet, you know, the way Todd came out on stage for Bethesda, I I bet Bobby doesn't no, no, oh, no way. No, like, no, no. Oh, that would be destroyed. People would be yeah. so upset. No. Which again, like, I think speaks volumes to But he's not he's not a Todd share. Howard personality. I mean, he's never been the face of it for gamers, right? It's never been the it's never been a you know, he doesn't play that role anyway. I mean, it'll be interesting. Like, is there gonna be a BlizzCon? Does Blizzard have a thing? Like, there's so much ramifications to this. I did predict years ago jeff that microsoft would get into the uh playstation like fan fest and now they've done it they just spent 70 billion bought it bought one yeah (laughs) all right uh i am way late on thanking our sponsor so we gotta do that uh mailgun mailgun is how modern companies work with email the platform's ease of use world-class support and powerful apis empower smart development teams to reach real customers at scale with a data-driven approach so their organization can grow faster. Send and track your transactional and marketing messages effortlessly. Prevent fake signups and remove invalid email addresses from your list quickly. Partner with email experts to improve your email deliverability and drive higher conversion rates. Today, Mailgun helps hundreds of thousands of companies and leading brands around the world provide connected experiences and drive smart results. Mailgun empowers companies around the world to solve complex communication problems. 
Through its powerful email API and intuitive email marketing solutions, Mailgun controls the entire email lifecycle from pre-deployment through delivery of over 240 billion emails a year for companies like DHL, Wikipedia, Toast, Lyft, and Microsoft. Our send time optimization compatibility automatically finds the ideal send time for each and every individual on your list at the time that they are most likely to engage. It's never been easier to build connected experiences. Start sending with Mailgun today. Visit Mailgun.com to learn more. All right. It is time to talk about the games that we have been playing this week. Miles, I see the one on your list is uh, the one on my list as well. And I am so excited to talk about this game. It is called Nobody Saves the World. Tell me about it. Nobody Saves the World. Uh, Drinkbox crushes it with another. I've I've been a huge fan of their titles like Guacamelee. I was curious about this one because it's a huge departure. Top down kind of dungeon crawling game. I remember seeing the initial reveal trailer and being excited but because it was bright and colorful and that was mostly it i was confused about what the game was <laughs> and it's it's so good it takes all my favorite elements of the legend of zelda classic dungeon crawlers uh, stuff like binding of isaac and it adds this form mechanic so as you progress through the game you unlock these different forms rat uh, muscle muscle man horse <laughs> slug necromancer mermaid and you can on the fly change between all of these forms and then as you get deeper and deeper you can start fusing these forms together so you can be a horse that can uh throw barbells you can be a horse firing arrows and you can just basically completely customize all of these different creatures and it's oh it's so good it's we're super early in the year so it's it's hard for me to say but this already is going to be an indie standout, I think, for 2022. Oh, so the, yeah. their, their best game by far. I, it is I, so incredibly good. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's Christian, we just gave out games of the year. Uh, and, and, you know, Miles, I, 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 hence your, I sense your hesitancy to, uh, to, to go there. But it, it, early, early game of the year contender. This is oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. brilliant, brilliant. I love this game so much i can't believe it. it it unfolds like a flower in front of you as you play it because it starts out being great it starts out being like oh this is this game has so much style it's it's got this incredibly beautiful colorful palette i just aesthetically fell in love with it immediately it's kind of got this um nickelodeon like ren and stimpy uh, fairly odd parents kind of aesthetic to it that I found very cool, very fun. It's goofy in all the right ways. Uh, you know, feels like a Saturday morning animated thing with, with a little bit of edge to it. Um, so already like I'm in love with this game and then it's like, okay, you start out and you're this amorphous nobody, you know, nobody saves the world. You are nobody. You're this amorphous blob humanoid thing. And the thing that's cool about you is, you can transform into things and, and it's, you know, you can transform into a rat right away. And it's like, Oh, okay. Well, the rat can do certain things. It can bite stuff. And uh, like rats do, they poison things. And you're like, Oh, okay, cool. Well, that's, that's kind of cool. I kind of get where this game is going. You start with the rat, you know, usually it's kind of flipping it on its head. Usually you start killing rats and then you kill more powerful things. Now I am a rat and I'm going to, 
unlock more powerful things. That seems neat. And I'll change forms into these more powerful forms. But the game is so much smarter than that because it's not just this linear progression through forms, as you indicated, Miles. It is that each of these forms has very specific value and very specific, really cool things that it can do. And by putting time into playing in those forms, you unlock cooler and cooler things. You level up each of those forms. And Christian, when we were talking at the end of the year, throwing praise on our show's game of the year, Forza Horizon 5, uh, one of the things that we were both uh, lauding the game for, and in me in particular, is how the game rewards everything you do. Like, I just, I'm just constantly getting accolades xp it's like hey you did something cool oh you you know you wanted to just smash through some stuff okay cool you get xp for that oh you want to like skid out and you know or you want to go fast on this particular road oh yeah we're tracking that that's awesome cool dude it just feels really good all the time and i remember saying when we were talking about uh the next fable game we were hoping that some of that would carry over into fable well i'm here to tell you nobody saves the world is already doing it And it's brilliant because the way this game, the progression in Nobody Saves the World happens through quests and you're just getting quests all the time. You know, just kill a bunch of people. Okay, cool. Kill a bunch of bad guys. Okay, cool. Uh, Kill a bunch of bad guys using very specific attacks that only the rat can do. Okay, cool. Uh, And the rat has specific quests that it can do and and you do those quests, you level up the rat. And as you level up the rat, you get cooler rat abilities awesome so then the rat levels up to a point where it unlocks another form and the forms can be you know stuff you would expect like a rogue or a magician or a necromancer but as miles pointed out there's also kind of weird stuff like you can be a horse or you can be a mermaid you know there's all kinds of weird stuff that you can unlock and they branch out and it's kind of unlock in unpredictable ways and that's cool and then those things have quests to do so you're like incentivized to change form and try that out and see the cool weird fun attacks that they have because it's all this top-down action rpg style almost twin stick style combat and all the attacks are very different and interesting and then at a certain point like a couple of hours into the game it goes i'm about to blow your mind and like miles said all of a sudden it goes hey Now that you've unlocked a bunch of forms and you've seen how cool they are, why don't you just mix and match anything with anything to your heart's content? Go crazy. You can make anything have anything else's powers at any time. You can mix and match passives. You can mix and match uh, actual abilities. You want a horse to shoot arrows? Yes, we'll let you do it. There's, we're not saying no to anything you want in this game. And in fact, you're going to have to get creative because now there's different damage types and there's different enemies that are immune to certain other damage types. So you have to attack them with a specific type to break their immunity first. So you want to have this cool like mishmash of different, uh, this kaleidoscope of abilities built onto each of these forms so that you're ready for the layering of bad guys that were thrown at you and it becomes so creative 
and fun and cool. And it's just a game, a game that you feel OP constantly, right? Am I, am I right about that, Miles? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, explain this very eloquently. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a game that, like you said, it rewards everything you do. So every time you change a form, you just have this wall of quests and this wall of, of sliders moving up. And what I love is the experimentation going through. Like, I love the slug. The slug is super slow. It, it shoots tears oh. out of its eyes as its primary attack. But then the slug is my favorite form so far. But yes, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, and then you and then you unlock the slide. And you're like, oh damn, I can move fast now. Now I slow everyone down. Get in the mix. Th- get from afar. Throw tears at them. Then I can lo- lob a big ball of slime. And then you start to understand what the mermaid can do. And you're like, oh wait, how can I tie in the mermaid's abilities? And then you can stack passives like poison. So you can be a slug that has poison, that has magic, that has blunt damage. And so you can be this one form killing machine if you set everything up properly and it's uh, it's just one of those games where you always feel good yeah no matter what form you pick even if it's not your favorite form something clicks eventually and you go wait a second i know what's gonna make i don't really like the knight as is but let me throw in the slugs move and see how that works and you're sliding around with the slug slime as the knight and uh it's yeah it's, it's truly incredible. And you're right how everything feels satisfying. The way the, the moves, like the animation of, of everything, the way that things have impact, the knockback, all of that stuff is very, very satisfying throughout the game. Leveling up is super satisfying. Finding items is super satisfying. It's all, it has all of that like Diablo level, just visceral, like, ooh, that feels good. And, it does the thing that I, I, I love games when they do this. I love games when they do this. And, and oftentimes games will use, you know, like achievements to, to, to do this. Uh, this game uses its quests where in order to, uh, to, to, um, complete a quest, I'll have to play the game in a style that I wasn't playing in before. And so the game will suggest it'll be like, Hey, uh, if you want to complete this quest, you have to complete the quest as the rat, but using, you know, blunt damage or something, or using a, you know, a, a different attack type from a different form. And you go, well, I never thought about adding that attack time type to that form. Oh my God, I love this. And so the game is encouraging this experimentation. And in fact, forcing you to change up your play style constantly because like, oh, well, well what, what new quest can I unlock as I level my characters up and unlock new forms? And then once you've even unlocked all the forms, it's like, well, I can keep leveling my character and get my stats better because the the monsters get more and more and more intense as you go and they have that diablo level like they're impervious to certain things and uh you know the dungeons are randomized so it's just like it's it it's my perfect game right now it is it it feels like exquisite game design exquisite game design the only thing that i would critique this game for and a number of people have pointed this out uh, is that it, it It kind of feels like it has twin stick shooter uh, for the arranged classes. It feels like it has sort of twin stick shooter DNA, but doesn't allow full twin stick shooter control. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's really strange. So normally I'm expecting to move with one stick, fire in a direction with the other stick. In this game, you have to hold right trigger to lock your direction and then you can move freely with the left stick to kind of strafe and i agree i think that's weird i would just prefer it be a twin stick game and i think it would work better but yeah i don't know yeah it's a little clumsy that way because you find yourself 
not facing the right direction as you're running away from a whole horde of enemies and you're ac- accidentally shooting the direction you're moving. You're like, ah, I got to like face them for a second, hold right trigger so that I'm facing it and then I can move away and, and strafe. So it's a little clumsy, but it's such a minor knock on what is, I think, one of the most instantly satisfying, fun, original feeling game experiences that I've had in years. I mean, it is... Christian, you got to try this game. Nobody saves the world. It's awesome. I mean, I would if it was on Game Pass. Oh, wait. Um, oh, question. Snap. Question, question, question. What's the structure? Like, I've heard the meta. Zelda. Uh, so, like, a there's it's a story or is it rogue type? It's a story, but there's, like, rogue-like elements. There's randomized dungeons. There's um, enemies that respawn, and you can sort of... Uh, um, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, farm? It's farm. Yeah, you can farm them. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it's not it's not pure Zelda, pure Zelda, but it feels like that. I mean, literally, like you wake up in a an abandoned shack, like every Zelda game, and go out and you meet a wizard, and yeah. So it's got a story, but the story is very tongue in cheek and goofy, and you meet like you know an anthropomorphized hammer that talks to you. You know, it's 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 goofy in, in that sort of fairly odd parents nickelodeon animation style um but i i still think it's i mean the narrative is fun yeah it, it's pretty much zelda with more saturday morning cartoons so you you pretty much have a map of hyrule yeah. i feel it's it's like zelda you can kind of go in whatever directions you want and you're you're loaded up with a lot of quests you can kind of pick and choose how you do that based on the level so it's an rpg so you'll be walking around the map you're level six you'll take a right turn enter an area and it's like oh this area is level 25 and you're like okay well i'm not going to go here yet and that's kind of how the dungeons are structured too but it seems like i'm not super deep in but they're hinting at this overarching narrative hinting at maybe some potential twist or explanation as to who you are in this world so it seems like there will be a defined beginning and end to the story of this too yeah, it's definitely a game where the mechanical joys are paramount, right? I'm not playing it to because I'm so curious about how the story is going to play out because it's goofy. And so, I mean, there's quests where like you need to fall in love with a horse. Oh, yes. You know, but 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 I love that. I mean, there's like all these unexpected things that they kind of don't tell you, but they just leave there and you go, oh, that form. It makes sense that I have that form and I can do that. You know, uh, there's discovery and and, you know, hidden things all over the map. It's just it's such a home run right at the beginning of the year. I am, I am so in love with this game. And again, it's called lo- nobody saves the world. It's on game pass. I love the way Drinkbox Like they start with a genre. They play with it for a little bit and kind of like steam world. And then they're kind of like done next, like perfected new genre. What are we going to do now? Like, it's fascinating to me that, you know, this is such a departure from any of the other games they've made. And same with most of the other games they've made, except for the direct, you know, sequels that they've, they've done like Guacamelee too. Um, Oh, well, Oh yeah. My question for both of you, it, and I was super excited when I saw that you'd both played this game. Cause I have yet to get to it. Um, but it, this feels like a, a divisive game again, early in the year where it's like either both of you loving it or people are like, you know, it didn't. So I was hoping maybe one of you would be like the, it didn't person. And I could get that <laughs> maybe other perspective. I'm curious now it's just kind of guessing. I don't want you to play devil's advocate, but like it, it shocks me that this game seems to be getting not 
uh, universal acclaim and that there are, do seem to be some notable mess, I guess. Uh, I would say that like Jeff sort of touched on the first, I don't know, two hours I was playing co-op with a friend online and there was a lot of weird hurdles. Like you had to go to the menu to turn in quests or to change forms. And there was a lot of things that were like stopping the game, pausing the game. And I remember talking to my friend like, this is really weird. It seems unnecessary. And then there's a tutorial that explains you can hold right bumper to change forms on the fly. And so it probably took me about two hours um, before I felt that the game was amazing. The first mm. two hours, I liked it. It was interesting. I wanted to see where it went, but I wasn't loving it by any means. I was loving the, the style, loving the ability to transform into different things, but it wasn't until about two hours into this experience when it really kind of clicked as to what this game was trying to do. Uh, so I've seen similar takes where people check it out for half an hour and say, eh, like it doesn't feel great. The combat's boring. Mm. I've seen people say that the combat's not engaging enough, but I think it until you can start mixing and matching those forms, um, I could see people just finding it okay. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that's the right take. I, I I also think that early on the combat isn't particularly challenging. It's like you don't you're not in danger of dying in the first two hours. Uh you know, uh, you can't really get in over your head too too bad. The game is kind of, like I said, it, it unfolds like a flower. It, it just, it, I was immediately in love. I, I thought the game was amazing before it even, I even, it even got to that next layer down. I was like, ah, oh, this is great. I, I'm digging the style. I'm digging the vibe. I'm digging the, the visual aesthetic. I, I just, I was into it. And I like, you know, top down action RPGs like this. Um, Children of Morta was my yeah. you know, game of the year that year. Um. So I'm I'm into into that style. It is not as tight as Children of Morta. Uh, obviously, we kind of already talked about why with the the ranged combat feels a little clunky. Uh, so folks, you know, m- might be like, well, there's games that do this kind of combat better, tighter. Um, I just think the layer of creativity that that it brings, and uh, as you progress, uh, and so, it does so many fun things so right that it just feels like a very very special game to me i'm it's on the hard drive or the ssd i guess we got to change that uh that saying it's yeah. downloaded i should say i've my, just yet to dive in my biggest criticism christian is that it does not support ultra wide super ultra wide or any ultra any any oh my yeah, wow i know dark ages yeah it really is <laughs> uh but uh, any anything else you've been playing lately miles or has that been taking up most of your time that kind of has dominated a lot of my time uh for Windows Central, I did the review for Rainbow Six Extraction. So I spent a good, about 25 hours diving into that. Um, and that, it's polarizing. Like, I like it. I, I like really tough shooters. I like um, heavy co-op shooters. And this, I think a lot of people expect it to be Left for Dead or want it to be Left for Dead. And I think anyone going into it expecting that is going to be hit with a brick wall that 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 Rainbow Six Extraction is not Left 4 Dead. And it's way slower. It's way harder. It's got light permadeath. So mm, if, a car- yeah. if an operator goes down, you have to go into that mission with a different operator and save them. If you are hurt, that operator's health carries over into future missions. And if you're too hurt, you can't use it. So if you're playing on the harder difficulties, you can just compound and you can have like six or seven <laughs> characters out of the mission. You're like, wow. Um, so it's... I like it. I like it. 
it's not amazing, but it is an interesting experiment in the Rainbow Six Siege universe for whatever reason. But um, if you have three people to play with, great fun. Don't play it solo, though. I would not <laughs> recommend anyone play it solo for any Which, any reason. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm definitely not the expert. Isn't Siege four player? In Extractions 3? Is that, am it's, I remembering that right? I think, yeah. I want to say it's Siege is 4 on 4. It's been it's been a minute since I've played, I, I, but Extractions yeah, is 3. Years for me, but I like the way Extractions is like, well, you're already, you've clearly fallen out of love with one of your buddies. You're, you're good to go with 3. <laughs> you find out who, who the fourth in your group is really fast when a game like that drops. <laughs> when one yeah, person is in the group text anymore and you're like oof one of yeah, your friends is just not out. down with it being supernatural at all you know they just assume yeah. one of your friends is like no i want real military stuff or i'm out <laughs> yeah also on game pass also yeah. on game pass rainbow six extraction it's all gonna be on game pass eventually fellas all of it <laughs> uh amazing uh very very cool christian spicer what has been on your playlist this week I will start with the game that's not out yet that I'm allowed to talk about some of, but not all of. And not that Ollie, is Olive, Ollie, Olive, Olive? Not Ollie, Ollie of. Um, that's Ollie, Ollie World, which I talked about a teeny bit of before. Um, you were talking about Nobody Saves the World as being an early, you know, the year is early. It, it feels like it's been long already at times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've lost about 400 celebrities already, but yeah. yeah. Oh, man. The year is The year is early. Um, and just talking about, I'm not hinting at other things. I promise you, I'm not just talking about the the first parts of this game that I'm able to talk about right now. Ali Ali world is also on my short list. I keep a list as I play games over the course of the year of games that I will likely look to revisit come favorites of the year. And I've loved this franchise since the OGs on Vita. I played them to death, little Vita nubs, you know, I, I was down easy, easy. It's in there. So, so precise. Um, and Ollie Ollie World, the way it blows up and expands the idea of what these games are by unlocking them to be in fictional worlds. Ollie Ollie is a skateboard, 2D side scrolling skateboard game franchise where you're doing dope tricks, jumps, grinds, all of this stuff, racking up your high score, but it is a left to right predominantly game it's not tony hawk through a 3d space you don't find the one part of the school where you can maximize your score and stay there you start at the beginning of a course you end at the end of the course um throughout the course you can chain tricks together wall rides grinds manuals and stuff like that to keep a a chain going but you're also progressing as a you know 2d platformer almost or, or infinite runner but yet there's an end but that style of progression and ollie ollie world takes it to this fictional landscape where things don't need to make any sense. Um, You know, just signs floating in places to create the most epic runs possible. It's really just creativity to create awesome skateboarding lines. You have the ability to change uh, at certain points in runs to change tracks and do like the gnarly track, which is a little harder or stay on a different track or unlock things as you go through them to unlock new um, paths along the way that you know will increase your score there's all the score challenges of stuff that you're trying to do um and the way that these courses these runs are built you see the creativity of the developers and it just shines so brightly there are the moments in runs where 
you know, you, you hit that Zen state and you don't, you're not connected to what your fingers are doing in a conscious way. It's kind of like right now breathing in, in my heart beating. It's happening. I'm talking, but I'm not consciously thinking about it. And in Ali Ali world, when you're able to hit those runs and everything comes together perfectly, because if you miss, you fall and die, but then yet chef's kiss, that beautiful, almost instant reload back to a spawn point or where you are makes that risk worth taking where it's like, I am going to go for, you know, a kickflip varial 540 between these two wall rides or whatever it is, because if I fall to the pit, up, you know, respawn and take it right back again. And it's really awesome to see. Also, the artwork and art design of this fictional world is just gorgeous. And in, in, in these first levels, you see some of the diversity and what these terrains can be and the diversity in the character that you're able to create to take out and play. Like this game nails so much of what I think a great video game needs to be. And it's just something that you can get lost in. Awesome music, great 30 seconds of fun, as we talked about a lot last year and you know, continuing in this year. My only nits with Ali Ali World so far are related to things that break up that Zen state, that Blake break up, that Blake it up. There's this Blake. No, I'm just, <laughs> let me tell you about Blake, real jerk. Um, that break up the Zen state and flow of the game. And it's things that, you know, after a run, you're back in the overworld. And it's kind of this Mario 3 style overworld map where then you select your next run. And it's like, well, why? Very rarely uh, in in these early parts of the game, it's not like there's a fork in the path and I'm deciding what to do on the overworld part. There are a few side quests that you can do in like the first world and stuff like that. But the game I don't think is made better by zooming me out to this overmap again to have me then select it or slower than I want to, you know, move my cursor over to the next thing to load in the next save state. Like just let me keep, let me keep playing. Let me keep advancing. And as you're starting the game, the game has this wonderful cast of characters who theoretically I love, but realistically loathe because they're only there presenting me with overly verbose tutorial language. And the characters themselves are cool and they're fun and they're interesting and unique. And I think they kind of add to this cool world, but it's like, we're going to work on wall rides. Do you know how to do that? No, let me, tell me, tell me how to do it. Give me this tutorial. Okay, well, first here's chatter, dad joke, dad joke, chatter, chatter, dad joke, chatter, chatter, dad joke, hold up. Well, just let me hold up. Like, I know, Jeff, when I said dad joke that many times, you probably got more interested in the Yeah. (laughs) I don't speak about language. But it's it's these moments, again, that just keep me from doing the fun for long enough that I'm just like, a, 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 like, why are you talking at me this much? And then like my initial preview with it and, and this build that I'm playing now, I'm playing on PC. I got a code, uh, on, on PC and it still seems like there's frame rate issues in those cutscenes where it's just odd enough to kind of pull my eye and the gameplay itself silky smooth. And so I'm very high on Ollie Ollie world. I, I wish that some of that extraneous stuff mm-hmm. could be optioned out um, as folks are kind of getting into the world. But it is from what I've you know played and can talk about right now, easy to recommend, especially if you're a fan of um, either of the others or 
even precision platformers because it scratches that, excuse me, Celeste itch in so many ways also of like nailing the perfect run. I'm really excited to play it. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've been anticipating this one for a while. So, yeah. And the music's so pretty. It's so, again, I could just, it's kind of like Tetris effect. I could just have it on and just like, (laughs) just listen. Um, The other game, which I don't have a little image here for the video thing, it's my own fault. Uh, is Windjammers 2. Yeah, yes. that just hit Game Pass. What? Also hit Game Pass. Also hit Game Pass. Um, I know, I think it was Giant Bomb. I'm going to say Giant Bomb. They've been high on the original Windjammers for years, singing its praises as this dark horse game that more people need to check out. And the original's available more places now. It was originally a Neo Geo game. Um, so I know that. I know that it was a Neo, Neo Geo game. I understand the facts and the reality of which <laughs> Windjammers 1 exists. Having not played Windjammers 1, just kind of being lost to me for whatever reasons, I will say that Windjammers 2 feels like a Dreamcast game in all the best ways. Again, <laughs> reality, I know it's not. I know it's not a Sega game. The way it feels, it feels like a beautiful, beautiful Sega at full tilt Dreamcast game where it is essentially pong or air hockey mashed with a it mashed up with a fighting game so you're playing you know essentially pong throwing this frisbee back and forth between you know you and your competitor trying to get it past them but you're able to put stank on it you know curl it bounce it off the wall so it kind of ping pongs around because you're in this enclosed fenced area you have super moves that you can charge up. You can catch it or you can hit it up in the air and then stand under it and power up a super move. You can just do an immediate slap back so there's not that lull of you catching it. So you get into this rock, paper, scissors style, you know, guessing game of what the other player is going to do that you're going to respond to. And it has, uh, for, for me, it reminded me of Super Dodgeball on the NES. Again, because the original Windjammers didn't exist to me for whatever reason. Um and capturing that simplicity of just this beautiful back and forth game where every time there's a shot that gets past me, it's like, oh, yeah, I know what I did wrong. Okay, run it back, run it back. <laughs> and then the other person just clearly more talented than me is what it is. And I'm like, oh, okay, you're good. Um, but that that one more game, that one more itch, and then the characters have different special moves, different like speed or power abilities. And it's just this really beautiful retro aesthetic pixel art or not pixel art hand-drawn aesthetic fighting game of that yesteryear era with like cheesy music and the characters are all kind of like pulled out of a 1994 Miami you know like anime style beach volleyball game it's so dang fun and a perfect game pass game uh my nits with windjammers 2 are that i wish it had a better tutorial it has an arcade it has like a how to play like an Only old xbox Live characters that talked at you for a long time telling you what to do <laughs> <laughs> no 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 my my ollie fair critique my ollie ollie world critique isn't the tutorial it's all the superfluous stuff that goes into and around the tutorial mm. just tell me what to do tutorial Got it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Windjammers 2 has the how to play, which is like the old Xbox Live arcade games they all used to have. And that's just basically like, A, throws the disc. And it's like, okay, clearly there's more than that. And it's like, yeah, the left analog stick moves you. 
go play. You know, it's like it's it's very simplistic for what is actually possible in the game. Um, and then so the modes are just arcade versus, which is like couch co-op, and then online, which I suck at this game. <laughs> so online is a uh, is a rough road for me. But my gosh, if I were still in a dorm. I, I think this would be my most played game of the year. Like it's, yeah. it, I, I see, I see like the, you know, sign up sheet on the front door. Like we're having a competition today. Everybody pitching five bucks. We're going to go see who's going to be the tournament champ. I love Windjammers too. And it, it really scratches that itch of um, just a feel good, fun game that I, I don't need to get angry about. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So that's Windjammers two and Ollie Ollie world. Um, my playlist, uh, obviously talked a lot about nobody saves the world, but I wanted to mention one other thing because last week, if you listen to our show with Khalif Adams, uh, Khalif and I both were criticizing or maybe criticizing is the wrong word, but lamenting, complaining, whining, whining might even be the word, uh, about the God of War PC version that we were both, uh, enjoying quite a bit. Uh, that it did not support the super ultra wide monitors that we both have. The, it's obnoxious to even talk about them because they're so obscene. But uh, also the coolest thing that I own potentially. Uh, and uh, so you know, one hopes that these big PC releases uh, use the full thirty two nine real estate of the monitor. And of course, God of War does not support that. It does support ultra wide the twenty one nine but does not support the 32.9. Uh, so, lo and behold, I get a message this week from somebody on Discord who goes by Sozo. This is a thank you to Sozo. Sozo pointed me to a website I did not know about, a website that is called flawlesswidescreen.org. And at flawlesswidescreen.org, you can download a little app that has supports, I don't know, 20, 30, a couple dozen games, and will just magically make them work in super ultra wide for you. And one of the games it supports is God of War. Wait, no, no, what? We, we need more here. We how? talked about how, like, oh, they had such a hard time making it work in ultra wide. Yeah, no, this little app. And it works perfectly, and it's incredible. And I've been playing tons of God of War in super ultra wide, and I I can't wait to tell Khalif about it because it it just works, and it's like so sexy. I mean, what does it it do? No, 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 no. Like, what is it? Is it like stretching every pixel like two? No, is the tray just bouncing? It just expands your field of view. It just like makes it work. It works. I don't. I'm so confused. <laughs> What's the science here? All right. <laughs> What's the magic sauce? Yeah, uh, I can't tell you. I don't a... know, but it worked, and it works, and it's beautiful. And I highly recommend if you happen huh. to have one of these obscene monitors, like I have, uh, do not, do not, you know, run, don't walk to flawlesswidescreen.org. A whole, like I'm, I'm telling you, there's a whole mess of games that it supports. Uh, that it'll just I just automatically... tried to go to that website and couldn't because it says your monitor sucks. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 it's gated. You have to have a <laughs> wide enough monitor. You, your monitor must be wide, this wide to ride this ride, you know? <laughs> anyway, so 
I'm here to tell you, God of War on PC looks just sumptuous and super ultra wide. Mm, I need so to good. know. I need to know the tech behind this. I'm I'm emailing Digital Foundry right after yeah, the show. Please. I got to know how this works. I would love for you to give a report on this next episode. Please do. Uh, all right. Anyway, that's my that's my playlist, and that's going to do it for this episode. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Miles Don Pierre, thank you so much for being here, man. It's been awesome talking to you. Yeah, I really appreciate coming on. Obviously, there's been a lot to talk about. And I'm <laughs> stoked that we both had Nobody Saves the World on our list because yeah, ugh, not Such enough people are, are checking that out. So, yeah. so good. And it's, can I tell you can I tell you an embarrassing factoid about, about me in that game? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, like a real like a real dummy. I did not check to see that it was on Game Pass before I purchased it on Steam. And now I am so far down the rabbit hole of progress on Steam that I can't bear to restart the game from zero on Xbox or, you know, or even on the Xbox app, right? So if there's anybody out there that knows how to switch uh, to transfer save games from your Steam account to your <laughs> there's Xbox, a little website there's, there's a, called yeah, there's gotta be a website. There's gotta be, right? Yeah. I'm not, now I'm just gonna mention any of my problems. People will be like, yeah, well, you know, idiot. There's these there's this thing. But um it's super it's even worse because I want to play the game co-op and literally anybody that I know that has the game is like, I got it on Xbox Game Pass, dummy. Why would I buy it on Steam? Like it was only $24. I bought it on sale. I'm dumb. I I hate to be this person, uh, but I truly think, but for this show and the stuff I do in the space, I I think I would just be just a Game Pass. I'd be like, that game looks awesome. Sure, why not? Please, Please, dear Lord. Do let Death Store come out on Game Pass one. Yeah, it did. It Woo-hoo! did. Like yeah, I would just be that person. Yeah. The entire like all the Hitman games just came out. All the Mass Effect re- remasters just came out. It's like, wh- why would you need anything else? I don't know. Every Activision Blizzard game now, I guess. Dude. Dude. All right. Anyway, Miles, tell folks where they can keep up with you and the things that you make on the internet. Yeah, so I work over at Windows Central. I do a lot of their video stuff. So if you want to see mostly what I do, uh, you can check out Windows Central Gaming on YouTube. Um, If you want to send me memes, uh, complain about my bad takes, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Miles Dompierre. And that's it. I spend most of my time at those two places. Very, very cool. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Twitter's the best way to see. It is at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. I am uh, putting, I've said this for too many weeks and it bothers me, but there was a big news last week that required some time and some attention. But I am putting my finishing touches on uh, January's newsletter, uh, Let's Chat Games, where I write, do some long form writing about video games, which you can subscribe to for free at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. That will be going out this week. I say, making sure it goes. Uh, there can't be another huge announcement, right? Like, I mean, T minus three hours until that's true. <laughs> Apple <laughs> buys uh, the city of Los Angeles, um, <laughs> but that that is that. And then I stream this show uh, live on my Twitch. Typically, we record Sundays at seven fifteen p.m. Pacific time, and you can find that at Twitch.tv/slash Christian Spicer. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. You can email us here at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Also, 
There are other shows that I do you could check out. I do a movie and TV show review program called The Film Cast. You can find that wherever you get podcasts. I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. Uh, I do a Dungeons and Dragons, he said very easily. A Dungeons and Dragons show called The Dungeon Run. Um, that is uh, on YouTube. It is an audio podcast. And it's also on Twitch, twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run. And finally, I do a sports show called The Fan Controlled Football Show. Uh, you can find that at twitch.tv slash FCF. All right. Let's uh, wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Miles, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Um, I went and saw the new Scream. Hmm. So the new Scream, unfortunately for a lot of people, is only in theaters. Fortunately for me, my theater is tiny and has no one in it. So every time <laughs> my wife and I go, it is just the two of us. So we went and saw the new Scream. If you were a fan of the original, it makes fun of all of the sequels. It makes fun of itself. It makes fun of the horror genre. And it absolutely delivers. I thought that movie was going to be a big, stinky dud when I saw the trailers. It looked not great, but that movie came out and absolutely blew me away. So if you want a good, funny horror movie, Scream. Cannot recommend it enough. Love it. I'm very excited to finally check that out. That's Scream, uh, unfortunately, only in theaters right now. But uh, there you go. All right. Christian Spicer, got a parting gift? Uh, Sewing Machines. As uh, folks who talk about video games all the time and about questions about getting kids into games and stuff like that, uh, which I love, and I love sharing this passion and hobby with my children and other parents doing the same. Um, but for years before we had kids, I would sew my wife and I's Halloween costumes um, and have kind of fallen off of that. But now my daughter is playing, my oldest is playing around with her first like real deal sewing machine. And they're the best. They're just the best. Like the creativity, I think it unlocks in children um, from just messing around with little scraps of fabric to getting a simple pattern and like making their first bag or their first shirt or starting that creativity of what their Halloween costume wants to be and making it themselves. Um, I highly recommend a sewing machine and you don't need to go, you know, over the top in the most expensive stuff. They've evolved so much over my lifetime where it's, you're not like cranking a pedal all the time, you know, to keep <laughs> things going. Um, but sewing machines, man, for, for kids and for adults, but just uh, the creativity they unlock is uh, really fun. Very cool. Uh, my parting gift is uh, a, uh, a show on Netflix that my wife and I have just barreled through. I mean, usually parting gifts are enthusiastic recommendations. This is, tempered slightly because i didn't think it nailed the landing uh, but it is eight episodes it is called archive 81 uh evidently it was based on a podcast and it's sort of about yep the podcast uh did you watch any of this christian no i'm i'm aware of it but i have yet to oh. it's time my friend i need yeah. someone to give me the parting gift of more time <laughs> well you know when you're laid up with uh the athlete's foot you know 
You, you, I hear what you're saying, but I don't like your suggestion for how I get my time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, uh, I thought this was intriguing. I think it starts better than it ends, but I thought it was pretty intriguing. You might want to check it out uh, if you're into kind of uh, creepy, good mysteries. Um, it, it, I, I, one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up is because I think it presents itself like a real horror thing. And yes, it has horror elements, but my wife is not into horror and she watched this whole thing. It's, it's not scary. It's not scary. Uh, but it's kind of a cool mystery. And it's kind of one of those things where you're like, ooh, I, I think it's that. Ooh, maybe not. Ooh, it's this. And it's tons of, um, you know, sci-fi kind of concepts and, and fun uh, supernatural stuff. So uh, Archive 81 on Netflix. Uh, give, it a, give, it a, give, it a, give it a try. All right. There's also a listener suggested party gift. This was sent to us by Grant to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, Grant writes, longtime listener of the show, first time emailing in. I've been meaning to send in parting gifts in the past, but one thing leads to another and I never get around to it. But this time I'm emailing straight after watching my parting gift because it's too special not to mention. My parting gift this week is The Windshield Wiper, an animated short film from artist-director Alberto Mielgo who was the key early visual developer on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, as well as director of Love, Death, and Robots episode The Witness and the Watchdog Legion's Tipping Point Cinematic, both of which are also excellent. The Windshield Wiper is a collection of vignettes based around the question, what is love? What is love, baby? No, sorry. Uh, and the results are both visually stunning and surprisingly moving despite only seeing snapshots of these characters' lives. The animation is crisp and cool, but with an attention to detail that makes it feel very natural and human. Knowing you were both fans of Arcane, which I loved, I feel you'll get something out of this one. Be aware, there are some adult themes and images. Hope you're both well. Love what you guys put out into the world. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Grant. Uh, that's awesome. That's the windshield wiper. Uh, Grant does not say where this can be seen, but uh, I imagine if you Google it, you'll find it. I'm intrigued. I'm going to check it out myself because uh, I love great animation. The windshield wiper. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Miles Dompierre and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those fun bumpers. Thanks to the folks listening live and making the show better in real time. We appreciate you. And thank you to each and every one of you that give us your time and put us in your ear holes. We are grateful. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.